listening to a podcast from Light FM. It's the Light Breakfast with Asha and Terry and our post-budget special with Executive Director for Global Employer Services at Deloitte Malaysia, Ang Weina, happens right now. Starting off with this question. What were the three biggest key issues that were addressed in Budget 2023, tabled by Datuk Seri Anwar Ibrahim last Friday? Now, if you were to look at essentially the three key principles that he set when he retabled this budget, he wanted to ensure that this budget will bring about, number one, sustainable and inclusive economic growth. Again, when we look um, during COVID in the year 2020, our economy actually contracted, yeah, negative 5.5%. Just to give you a little bit of our economic numbers. So 2020, then at the end of 2020, there were signs of economic recovery with the year 2021 registering 3.1% growth. So from a negative 5.5, and then we went up to 3.1 positive. And then this momentum continued. Again, in 2022, we clocked a GDP growth of 8.7%. Good, yeah? So, again, is this sustainable? Well, looking at the 2023 projection, uh, we are anticipating to grow, unfortunately, not beyond 8.7%, but approximately 4.6%. Now, everybody is talking about, especially the World Bank, has warned about the global economy coming close to, you know, falling into recession. But I think more important if you look at those external factors like you know the prolonged geopolitical conflict, the climate-related disasters and that persistently high inflation, all of this will hamper the global economic growth. And therefore, you know, that kind of lower projected growth of 4.6% for the 2023. So we talk about how can he have proposals in this budget to bring about a sustainable, inclusive economic growth. That's one of the key principles. The second key principle is actually the governance and institutional reforms. Again, not a very, very good light as at the end of 2022. Our total debt and liability exposure is 80.9% of our GDP. So, what does Dato Sri Anwar Ibrahim wants to do? He wants to inspire more confidence in the government with institutional and governance reforms. For example, how do we lower operating expenditure? How would he plug all the leakages? How would he implement uh, public finance best practices? Now, year on year, you will read in the Auditor General's report to say which ministry, again, has leakages here and there. Then what happens after the report? Who is accountable for it? Would the minister for their respective uh, ministry get a pay cut or get sacked? You know, all of this. So again, we want to see really, really institutional reforms. And the third would, of course, be social justice to moderate inequalities. Now, you can see in some of the proposals here, they're actually meant to facilitate uh, social justice by reducing inequality, for example, planning for a targeted subsidy approach. Yeah, so these are the three key principles. Now, what were some of the most surprising or unexpected highlights from Budget 2023 for you? <laughs> what caught me by surprise is I got hit by the higher tax rates that were imposed on that um, income bracket here. So, again, 
if you say that, Raina, were you really, really surprised, especially being in this line? Well, we have seen global trends of uh, wealth taxes, yeah, wealth taxes being imposed on, on the rich. So it's, again, um, an avenue to raise income. So I, I would actually say it's not a surprise. It's just a matter of time that it would come, but didn't really expect it to come now. So what, what the new proposed increase in the tax rates was on 0.5% to 2% on that higher income bet, right? That's number one. We did a little bit of simulation. We can share uh, what is it. So for those listeners, just bear in mind that this is going to hit you, especially in the monthly tax deduction uh, for this year, yeah, uh, where we have tax paid in advance, uh, where you receive your monthly payroll. So that's on that increased tax rates. The second one was on the implementation of luxury tax, things including watches and fashion. So again, if we reflect back the days of GST, yeah, all that was subject to GST, you know, for those who actually purchase all those high-end luxury goods. Now, the papers did say something very, very relevant, and I would totally agree to say that, how would you then define what is luxury good? Because is it, I mean, we normally know what a luxury good is based on its brand, its quality, its price, and its exclusivity. But then be very careful because as it was said that you shouldn't include anything that the ordinary folks might need for example, mobile phone. You know, mobile phone can be the low end, it can be the high end. And even a car, it can also be the low end and the high end. Yeah. So I think that's very important to see. Uh, we haven't received any details of how, what is all this luxury tax about. And again, um, we read in the papers today, the retailers are a little bit apprehensive. So how is going to hit the retails, right? I mean, Malaysia is quite well known for foreigners coming in. And in the past, during the GST time, they could actually get a refund. Now, with a similar, with a similar procedure be available to those uh, foreigners purchasing such goods. Again, we don't want to dampen, dampen this for the retail industry, right? And uh, the, other, the other introduction uh, was on that capital gains tax with regard to the transfer or sale of unlisted shares. Again, very gratifying that he's talking about consultation with the experts in this area. We've got really got to be careful because you know, sometimes mergers and acquisitions uh, to promote greater efficiencies within group and all that through reorganization. And that will sometimes include transfers of shares, etc. And if you impose that, that thing, how is it going to, to impact on the economy as well? So again, something to thread very, very carefully. So main three things will be, you know, the increase in tax rates, which I didn't really like. Luxury tax, well, I always say that buy only what you need. Number three, capital gains tax. Let's see how, and and hopefully it doesn't dampen that, that economy, especially in this time. This next question is definitely something I'm really interested to find out as well. Help us break down the changes to tax rates with different income groups. When the um, proposed increased tax rates and also the um, there was also reduction in the income tax rates, what we generally do is uh, some simulation. And um, to make it very, very easy to understand, um, let's take a, a, a simulation of a married couple, right? A married couple, spouse is not working, two dependent children, okay? 
And uh, we actually worked on the monthly salary, say of 8,000 per month, uh, 10,000 per month, or even 20,000 per month. Yeah. So for those earning in, within this range, 8,000, 10,000, or 20,000 per month, you actually can see tax savings. Now, again, we, we did a simulation without even taking into effect um, more of the um, other tax reliefs that generally people would take. Yeah, So we, we just take that basic one. And again, even on that basic personal tax reliefs, those in the monthly wage of 8,000, 10,000, or 20,000 per month, they will actually see tax savings of about um, ranging from 795 or the low end of 112 ringgit to about 795 ringgit. Okay. What's that break even point? Break even point meaning no gain, no loss. That we calculated it was based on about 20, to be really precise, 20,936. Okay. 2936. So for those earning above 2936, so we took, for example, we calculated someone earning about 35,000 per month or more. They actually will see additional taxes to be paid about 943 uh, ringgit. Then those uh, earning about 45,000 per month, additional taxes of 2,137 ringgit. So you will say, hey, wait a then how? What can we do? My only advice is please, please relook at all the personal tax relief, maximize them if you can, legitimately, yeah, maximize them and relook at some of the EPF contributions which you can you can consider. Okay. Now the impact on this, because this is going to be effective from year assessment 2023, which means 2023 income. Now again, we are waiting it for to be gazetted, and of course the impact you will see that your monthly tax deduction for those in the higher income bracket, you probably will take home pay. Your take home pay would be slightly reduced because of that incremental increase. Yeah. So just watch out um, that the impact on the payroll from the monthly tax deduction. How does the actual budget 2023 benefit or affect our fellow Malaysians, especially in the light of the rising cost of living? All right. So fellow Malaysians, very wide category. Let's start from those um, under the employment. Uh, we've talked about the reduction in income tax rate, which is 2% for those with income between 35000 to 100000 total chargeable income um, in a year. Yeah? So you will see a reduction in income tax rate. The six-month uh, monitorium for the PTPN uh, repayment, again, for those earning under uh, 1800 a month, we get a relief but for six months only. We also see some mention about 50000 over free laptops. I particularly like, you know, the, the waiver of tax, the, the, the test fees for B2, for bus, for taxi and e-hailing licenses, or even how do they encourage youth entrepreneurship of um, 10 million ringgit and also debt loan credit guarantees to the micro, small, medium enterprises, 40 billion. All of this, I think it's good because it's actually, you know, like what we always say, don't just give the fish when somebody is hungry. Teach the person how to fish. So all of this is like, yeah, go into gig economy. We're going to waive the test fees 
we're giving you loans, making loans available. You want to be more entrepreneurial, go go for that. And the MS uh MEs, you've got that loan credit guarantees there. Yeah. Um again, I mentioned earlier, maximize those personal tax reliefs. Again, you've got that 3000 that's available for those childcare fees. Again, it's extended for one more year into the year assessment 2024. The medical expenses, this is good, which has increased, so-called the relief is increased from 8000 to 10000 for those who spend on um, children disabilities, yeah, the learning disabilities. Then those who are, well, of course, part of life, you're going to marriage, you want to buy a home, you've got that first-time home buyers that you can take advantage of that full exemption of stamp duties for home value less than half a million ringgit. But really on the core people, again, we've got the Payong Rama concept that they have set meals at ringgit $5, uh, five ringgit, yeah. And also the Sabangan Tunai Rama, the SGR, for household earning less than uh, 2005, if I'm not mistaken. That's also, again, we talked about the monetarium of PTPTN payment, but if you want to take account, you can pay, take advantage of that 20% for that three months. You are starting from 1st March 2023. For those of us who commute using the public transport, there is the My 50 monthly pass is, is being continued. Yeah. And they are also looking at my bus 50, that unlimited travel that's in that Johor Bahru area. We also looked at the income tax rates for the SMEs, the 17% corporate tax rates being reduced to 15%. And this one I particularly liked about the bankrupt Malaysians for those uh, who were, were judged into bankruptcy owning 50,000, they will be waived and pardoned. So which means we're giving second chance for for Malaysians, yeah, to come back, and all of this. That's why that's why I say it's it's very varied, but again, be mindful of where and how, uh, we can make it relevant to to us, yeah. Now, some economic and financial observers praise this strong budget, comparing this budget to the one pre-review. What's your take on these opinions? Okay, if we compare the then budget and now, it's all increased. This is the biggest. Last year, we, we thought it was the mother of all budget. This is the budget. Talking about 388.1 billion versus then 332.1 billion. Even the operating expenditure was increased for this round. 289 million uh, versus 233.5 million. Just to share a little bit of st uh, stats here. Yeah. And in terms of development expenditure, now 99 billion versus then 75.6 billion. Okay, you've got so much money, you've got so much plans for expenditure. How is all of this going to be spent? And I think it's that implementation. So, so in this Madani uh, policy framework, um, and we see that we've read, right? It is an integrated and holistic initiatives, and it's, it's based on six key drivers, sustainability, compassion, respect, innovation, prosperity, and trust. Now, all of this is going to interrelate. And what they expect to see in this Madani policy is to interrelate within a network of actions 
that support the success of overall policy implementation. So the key word is overall policy implementation. You can have the greatest budget, you can have the greatest spending policies, but if your implementation is not monitored and it's not scrutinized, it's not who is going to be accountable for it, it's going to be back to the, the same old story, right? And then year after year, again, like I said, uh, the, the Auditor's General Report will come again with all those leakages. This is where we are very, very hopeful that Sri Anwar Ibrahim has said he wants to curb leakages. We are highly looking forward to this. And we just want to make sure that, yeah, that whole thing of that Madani policy framework needs to work. Well, thank you so much, Wena, for making it a little easier for lay people like myself and Terry to, to yeah. understand what's going on. We've been talking to Executive Director for Global Employer Services at Deloitte Malaysia, Ang Wena, on this post-budget special today. You can catch it again, listen to it again, or even share it on the Light Breakfast podcast. That's on the Shock app. You've been listening to a Light FM podcast on Shock. That's S-Y-O-K.